to hear your voice. Lord, we can't do that on our own without your help. And so we're asking all of us in this room tonight, asking for your help to understand you. And would you use the things that you say through me to change our lives and that this community of people at the Cornerstone would, would be represented, uh, representative of you on this campus and in the world and that you'd have your way in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys can sit down. Here's my question for you that I want to start with. If somebody asked you what the theme of the Bible is, what would you say? Just say, shout it out. Love. Okay, what else? What? Redemption. Okay, what else? Love. More love. Salvation. Jesus. Eternity. Okay. Here, I want, and you guys are right. There's a bunch of themes in the Bible. So it's not like there's one right answer. But I want you guys to check something else out. Uh, when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us, first of all, do you guys remember, we talked about this for a couple weeks already. He taught us to say, our Father who's in heaven, would your name be holy? And what's the, what's the as he asks, teaches us to ask for something, what is he asking, teaching us to ask for? That your kingdom would come, okay? Your kingdom would come, okay. That's the first question. Actually, I think I got these questions up here. Why don't you throw them up there? So first question, when Jesus taught us to pray, what did he teach us to pray for at the top of our list? That his kingdom would come. Okay, second thing. When God made humanity, when he made people on this planet, what was the purpose that he made humanity for? To glorify him. That's right, to glorify him. But when he gave humanity the job assignment of what they were supposed to do on this planet, you guys remember what he said? He said that too. But the, but okay, that's right. To rule over the rule over the earth, to take charge of the earth, because what God had in mind was along what He prays, what He teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. His, what He had in mind is that this planet would function under His authority through people, that people would rule because they followed Him, right? Okay, that's about kingdom rule, God's kingdom. Okay, third question. What was the primary theme of Jesus' teaching? The kingdom's at hand. The kingdom is at hand. And even what we started to look at last week in Acts 1, the 40 days Jesus spent with his disciples after he was resurrected from, from the dead, before he went into heaven. And it says in Acts 1-3 that he spent 40 days with them, teaching them about the kingdom of God. Okay? Next question I want to ask you guys. When Paul summarizes... Oh, wait, next question, number four. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission, what reason did he give us for carrying out the Great Commission? Why don't you think hard? Well, you guys know what the Great Commission is, right? What is it? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded them. Okay, he says that. So go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them, teaching them, and right before that, he gives us the reason that we should do that. Do you guys remember? Shakira knows. What is it? Exactly. Usually we think about the Great Commission as what, like the things that we're supposed to do. But he starts that whole, that, that section of telling us what we're supposed to do by saying the reason that we're supposed to do it. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. And therefore, because that's true, I'm sending you guys out to, to take the world for me. You guys remember this? You guys remember? So what's that about? That's about his kingdom. Do you get a theme here? Okay. What about when Paul talks about the mystery of God's will 
about this plan, the secret plan of God that he's had through ages. I want you guys to see this. Let's look at this verse in Ephesians 1, verse 9. Verse 9 and 10. Ephesians 1, verse 9 and 10. You can look in your Bibles, guys. You've, you got to bring your Bibles to Bible study because it makes sense. This is what Paul writes. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. You guys got your Bibles? Okay, if you don't have it, maybe Ethan will throw or um, somebody will throw it up here. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and Aaron is going to give you one. Okay. Okay, Ephesians 1, 9, 10. Somebody read it super loud. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, just try. Say it loud there. You got to say it louder. Okay, guys, I want you to hear what Annika just said. Do you guys hear what the plan of God is? The plan of God is to bring what? Everything under the authority of Christ. What's the point there? That's talking about kingdom stuff. That's Jesus as the king. The secret plan of God through the ages was to bring all authority, everything in heaven and earth, under the authority of Jesus. That's about a kingdom, right? Okay, one one more question I got to ask you here is... What's the theme of the book of Revelation? Now you guys, get, now you guys know what it is because you've been catching the theme, right? Seeing the kingdom fulfilled. I mean, a lot of people say it was about end times and all. Guys, the whole point of the book of Revelation is that finally this earth comes fully under the control of King Jesus. That's what's happening. Okay, now we think about the Bible having all these themes and all these points, but the point of the Bible, the central point of the Bible is that this planet is a renegade planet that has fallen under the authority of a dark influence, the devil, because humanity handed the devil the right to rule this planet, but Jesus, through his death, took it back, and the taking back of this planet has not been by force. If it was by force, Jesus would have already done it. But because the way that Jesus sets up his kingdom, contrary to the way that the governments of the world set up their kingdom, is that Jesus gives an opportunity for anybody who wants to, to come in under his authority as the king of light. And anybody that doesn't want to do it, doesn't have to. Does that make sense, guys? And we've got to get this, because if we don't understand that this is, that this whole idea of kingdom authority of Jesus is what the Bible is about, then Christianity isn't going to work for you. In fact, your life isn't going to work. It's not going to make sense to you if you don't understand that the whole goal of the Bible, the whole goal of history, the whole goal of our lives is Jesus' kingdom. Okay. So we've been talking about this for the past few weeks. I don't know if you caught the theme. But a few weeks ago, we looked at Joshua 1. Remember Joshua 1? Joshua's um, taking over for Moses. He's about to head into the promised land, taking all these Israelite people with him into the promised land to take the land to set up a place that would be God's kingdom because God had a plan from that spot to extend his kingdom across the whole world. So we, that was two weeks that we talked about Joshua 1. Then last week we looked at, we started to look at Acts 1. Same kind of thing. That here Jesus is at, after he comes to life again, three days after he'd been put to death, and he's telling his friends what's going to happen. He's telling them that he's going to step away. And so what, what we looked at last week, and I passed this on to you guys, is that, I have four things that I, this is just in, in 
as a reminder of what, what we talked about last week. First of all, God chose you. God chose those 12 men. He chose you. Jesus revealed himself to those 12 guys, and Jesus has revealed himself to you guys. Remember we talked about this last week? Jesus gave those 12 guys an assignment. Jesus has given you an assignment. Jesus gave those guys a promise that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and Jesus promises every one of you that you will receive power as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, not just so that you can feel good, but so that you can accomplish the purpose for which he is sending you into this world. Does that make sense? You guys remember that. That's what we talked about last week. Okay, so in light of that, I want you guys to think about what we're doing here at the Cornerstone. All the stuff that we're doing at the Cornerstone. We got small groups. We got Big Howdy Party. We got Big Howdy Tour. We got Luke Talk trying to recruit you guys to serve coffee here. We got popsicles being handed out. How many times have we? We got student discipleship houses. We got small groups. Maybe I already said that. I mean, we got all kinds of things happening here. The purpose of all these things that we are doing is building the kingdom. If you guys have, have, haven't have been here for very long and have missed that, then you don't, it doesn't make sense what we're doing. All the f- stuff that it looks like that we're doing that's so much fun, the purpose is we're building a kingdom. We're not just having fun. It's exhausting. It is a lot of fun, but it's exhausting. The reason we're doing it is because Jesus paid for a kingdom for himself, and he gave us the responsibility to carry it out. Guys, that's exciting. It's fun stuff. So in light of that, I, w- I want to read at, in Acts 1 again. So Acts 1, verse 3. We read some of this last week, but I want to pull a couple more things out of it. After his suffering, Acts 1, verse 3, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Well, there it is, right there. What's he doing for 40 days? Speaking about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. Because John baptized with water. You guys remember John the Baptist? He baptized with water. But in a few days, you guys, he's talking to these, specifically to these 12 guys, but there's actually about 120 of them who are following Jesus. He says, in a few days, you guys are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, soaked with the Holy Spirit. And so they're here, they hear about this gift, and they're not sure exactly what the gift is. It doesn't make sense to them. So when they're together, they ask him, so Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set about set by his own authority. But, listen guys, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and then to the other parts of the earth including UTA campus. And after he said this, this these are like the last words that he says before he steps off this planet. After he says this, He was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Okay. We're talking about kingdom building. I wanted to pull some more things out of this about your responsibility, our responsibility in building the kingdom. So there's just three things that we want to go through really quickly here from this, okay? You guys with me? Is anybody falling asleep yet? Okay. If so, you wake them up, okay? Okay. 
First thing, thank you. If you guys are taking notes, and you should be taking notes, otherwise you're not going to forget, you're not going to remember everything I said. First thing I want you guys to write down for this is God's kingdom building plan will not happen your way. Oh, you got it up here. Great. God's kingdom building plan will not happen your way. Look at verse 4 again. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but you guys wait for the gift that the Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And then they ask him, so Lord, are you going to, are you going to set up the kingdom now? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Think about, understand what they're saying. They're, they're not thinking about Jesus' kingdom. They're thinking about their kingdom. And Jesus, Jesus responds to them, it's not for you to know the times that the Father is set about, set for by his own authority. So here's what I want you guys to see here. I want you to notice the vast, the huge dis- difference between the way that the disciples are thinking and the way that Jesus is thinking. You guys know what I'm talking about? They had an expectation of how Jesus was going to set up a kingdom. And it wasn't like Jesus was going to set up a kingdom. The disciples are thinking about how to get free of the Romans. And Jesus is thinking about how to get people free from sin. The disciples are thinking about what's going to happen today and tomorrow and for the rest of their lives. And Jesus is thinking about what's going to happen for eternity. The disciples are thinking about how they can rule a country. Jesus is thinking about how he's going to rule the universe. The disciples are thinking about what's good for them. And Jesus is thinking about what's good for the whole world, including the people who are sitting in this room right now. Because isn't that the way that we are so many times? We're thinking about how to build our little kingdom for ourselves without realizing that God's got this plan to build this amazing universe-sized kingdom for himself that includes you. He intends to include you in this thing that he's doing. I w- and I, I want to show you guys a movie clip. I'm not going to tell you the name of the movie because I don't want you to watch the movie. I don't watch our movies, ever. But you ever been in one of those situations where it's somebody and they watch some movie and they're like, I, I just want to leave, but I'm stuck here. So this is a movie. I haven't seen an R movie in years and years and years, and I hope you guys haven't either. But this is 35 years ago that I saw this movie, and as I'm working through this today, I thought, I, I'm going to see if I can find that clip on YouTube. So I'm not telling you the name, but go ahead and play the movie clip because I think it represents for us kind of what... Don't tell them the name if you've already seen this. Don't confess. I don't think he understands, Randolph. Oh, well, Mark, Mark, William, what do you think? I like it, Randy. It's very nice. I like the way you got the mirrors and stuff hooked up over there. It's very pretty. I like that. I like that memory. I don't think he understands, Randolph. Oh, well, Mark, I do understand. I William, do. yes. This is your home. Uh-huh. Right. It belongs to you. Yeah, all this is mine. I like my home. It's very nice. That's very nice tasting house. Everything you see in this room is yours now. Uh-huh. This is my stuff. Your own personal property? Yeah, my own personal shit. You understand? This is mine. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know what I like most about my place, Randy? The curtains, man. Look at the curtains. It's beautiful the way I got this place set up, man. This is something else. I like it. The cabinets and whatnot. Beautiful. I suppose uh, you're going to just give me this TV set for free, huh, Randy? That's right. Uh-huh. Everything in here is mine, huh? Oh, I guess the stereo is mine free, too, huh? Absolutely. This is too much for me, man. You know, I can really dig this, Randy. You know why? This kind of thing happens to me every week. This is your house. These are your personal possessions. You will only be stealing from yourself. Look, first you throw my ass in jail, right? Then you're going to drive me out here and start running some garbage to me about this is my house, this is my personal rug, and then you're going to tell me this is my personal slave, too. I understand how you feel, William, but the fact remains all this is yours. You may do with it whatever you wish. 
this is my stuff, my place, huh? I can do what I want with this stuff, right? This is, this is my base here, right? This is Billy Ray's base, right? I own this base, I can play like Harlem Globetrotter shit with it, right? Okay, you want Miller Lemon shit, right? Hey, man, I'm sorry about that. Perfectly all right, William, it was your base. That's the cheap base, man, that was a fake, right? I think we paid $35,000 for it. But I seem to remember we estimated its value at $50,000 for the insurance company. <laughs> you see, Mortimer, William has already made us a profit of $15,000. You want me to break something else? No. Okay, guys, again, I don't want to tell you the name of the movie because I don't want you to watch it, but here's the deal. These billionaires have made a bet that they can take this guy and train him to be a rich guy. He's, he's actually, they, they take him off the street, right? And they're trying to tell him that this is his house. They are giving him the house. It's his house. And he's thinking that he's got to steal things so that he can go out and sell at a pawn shop so that he can just get through another day. But guys, as I, as I was thinking about where we are in kingdom building stuff and what Jesus has in mind compared to what we have in mind, I think we're like this guy. It's like we're just trying to get some little things so we can go sell at a pawn shop so we can get through the next day. And Jesus is like, it is my pleasure to give you guys a kingdom. That's what Jesus got in mind, okay? So first thing I want you guys to understand is that God's kingdom building plan is not like your kingdom building plan. It's going to happen differently. Okay, second thing I want to ask you guys to write down is king, God's kingdom building plan includes... You. Look at verse 8. Second part of verse 8. You will be, this is, this is the strategy. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Circle the word you. It's you. Now you're like, okay, that's those, those 12 guys. No. They passed it on to somebody who passed it on to somebody who passed it on. And the fact that you're in this room includes you. God has a plan for you. We've already talked about that. But I want you guys to notice this sequence here. You notice how he tells them, you're going to start in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria. Why don't you think, well, why, why start in Jerusalem? It's their home. Well, it's, it's the, these guys, where are these guys from? They're from Galilee. Okay? But it's the, you guys notice, if you just read, open the newspaper tomorrow morning. And you'll notice that everything that happens in Jerusalem affects the whole world even today. Almost every crazy thing that's happened in the world, almost every terrorist situation has to do with what happens in Jerusalem. God had a plan for Jerusalem. God still has a plan for Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is going to be the place where Jesus has his throne when he comes back to earth. That's prophecy. This is not a wishful thing. This, God has a plan for Jerusalem that includes Jesus. But Jerusalem also is strategic because Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he knows that 10 days from that day, there is going to be a festival in Jerusalem called what? What's that name of that festival? Passover was 40 days earlier. Pentecost. And at Pentecost, there's going to be people in Jerusalem from all over the known world. And on that day, on that festival, the 50th day after, after Passover, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. And the church 
is going to explode all over the world because of what happens on that day. So he's like, you guys start in Jerusalem because in Jerusalem, there's going to be outpouring of my spirit that is going to change the world. So what about Judea and Samaria? He's like, okay, start in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria. So let's talk about Judea. What do you guys know about the people in Judea? You kind of hinted at it a second ago. Who are the people in Judea? Jews, that's right. The Jews lived in Judea. That is exactly right. The Jews lived in, in Judea. And guys, what do you know about the Jews? They're God's chosen people. And I think what God is saying is, okay, in this campaign to take the kingdoms of the world for Jesus, you guys start with my people. You start with my family. And here's the message for us, guys. As you're thinking about God's call on your life to change the world, Jesus wants you to start with your family, the people on your street, the people at your workplace. You guys remember that's what Jesus did, right? Remember, Jesus comes in out of the temptation, and he goes straight to his hometown of, what was his hometown in Galilee? Nazareth, right? He goes to Nazareth. Why does he go to Nazareth? Because that's where we start. So we see the same pattern here. Start with the family. Guys, if God's calling you, and God is calling you, you cannot bypass the people who are part of your family. You start there. But what about Samaria? So Jesus tells me, okay, start in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria. What's the deal about Samaria? Why does he care about Samaria? Yeah, what do you know about Samaria? Who said half Jews? Yeah, okay, what do you know about how the Jewish people in Jerusalem and Galilee felt about the Samaritans? They hated them. I'm talking about prejudice. Talk about discrimination. They despised the Samaritans. And what Jesus, that's right, and what Jesus is saying is you guys want to go into the world to preach a message of forgiveness? Well, you start with forgiving the people who you have so much against. Guys, this is the message to us right here. Guys, guys, some of these, get, get is doing stuff with the people at the cornerstone all over the world. And we haven't seen nothing yet. Because you guys, you guys are changing the world. But what Jesus is saying is you can't go and preach a message of forgiveness to the world if there's people who you won't forgive right now, right here. Is, and so here's what I want you guys to think about. Is there, is there somebody that you won't forgive? Do you want to you preach the message of the gospel? you want to rep- Jesus' representatives, his witnesses, telling the world of forgiveness? Who do you need to forgive? And the Jews hated those rotten Samaritans. Oh, well, here's what I want to ask you. Who's the, who's the group of people that here at UTA that, you'd, that you hope you never have to sit in a room with? I mean, think about it. Who's, who, who, it who is it? Who is your Samaritan group? Is it the people from the homosexual community? Is it the people from some other race? Is it people from who, who are from some other religious group? Let me just ask you this. Do you have one homosexual friend? Do you have any friend on Facebook who is an atheist? Do you have any friend who is a Muslim or an anti-Christian? Guys, what I'm asking you to do is you, you go to your Samaria. Whoever it is who you've been like, man, I'm never hanging out with them. The proof of the gospel of Jesus, the proof that the, the gospel of Jesus worked in the first century was that the people who had hated each other, they became brothers and sisters in spite of all of their differences 
despite of all the things that they'd been arguing about for years, for centuries, because of the cross of Jesus, they stood as brothers and sisters. And so I'm just asking you guys, how do you do that? I mean, who just mentioned, uh, Scatter just mentioned Big Howdy Tour. If all your friends are from your culture and your country, then how are we going to reach the world? How about, how about Monday being a part of what Scatter's talking about? And make a friend. If you don't have a Muslim friend, Monday's the day. If you don't have a Hindu friend, Monday's the day. There's so many people who need Jesus who are only going to find Jesus if, you'll, if, if you are willing to do for them what Jesus commands his disciples to do right here. Okay. So, God's kingdom building isn't going to happen the way that you think it's going to happen. Second thing that I said is God's kingdom building includes you. And then thirdly, Jesus' kingdom building plan, check this out, is going to be finished by Jesus himself. Look at verse 9. These guys are standing there looking into heaven thinking, is he about to come back? He said he's coming back. How many minutes have we got to wait? And these two men, these two angelic messengers, stand there next to these guys, and they say, why are you guys looking in the sky? He's not coming back until you do what he has left you here to do. Hebrews 10.13 says, and since that time, since that day, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. How many of you guys want Jesus to come back? I'm going to live my life in, in view of the day. But the, the one who has been waiting longer than all of us combined is Jesus himself. That's what Hebrews 10.13 says. He waits for the day when he returns. And who's he waiting for? It's for us to do the, our part of the work of his kingdom building. Having the bride get ready. That's right. So he said, think about it. These guys are looking in the sky, waiting for Jesus to come back. And it hasn't happened yet. It's been almost 2,000 years. But I want, you to, I want to just read you guys in closing what it's going to be like. Revelation 19. You guys, look at Revelation 19, verse 11. This is what it's like. This is the day that we're looking forward to when Jesus comes back. Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. And with justice, he judges and makes war. War against all the people who stand against him, who refuse to acknowledge him as king. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven were following. I hope that includes you. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, all those people that have stood against him, and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You guys know, you hear what this is about? This is about the day Jesus comes back and finishes the establishment of his kingdom, fulfilling what all the stuff that's been prophesied and all the prayers that have been prayed for centuries about your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And our hearts cry as Lord Jesus, would you come quickly? So Jesus, guys, Jesus is building a kingdom. He's building a kingdom. And I want to just close by thinking, by asking you to think about what that means for you. So first of all, what's, what's a kingdom? 
We've talked about this before. What's kingdom? What's that? What's a kingdom? If we talk about the kingdom of the kingdom of Elijah, this is Elijah, by the way. Elijah's kingdom includes what a car and a little court of a, a bunk bed, I think, about something like that, right? Um, okay, if we talk about the, a kingdom, I mean, it's any place where a king reigns, right? It's where somebody has authority. So if the, a kingdom is any place where somebody has authority, the kingdom of Jesus is any place where Jesus has authority. So here's my question. Are you part of the kingdom? Are you part of his kingdom? And the answer to that question isn't about whether you prayed a prayer at some point. The answer to that question is about who holds the steering wheel of your life. Who has the decision-making power in your life? Who holds the reins? You guys know what reins are, right? If you guys ride horses, it's like those, those the reins. They go, you know, around to make the horse turn right or left. Who holds the reins to your life? Who reigns over your life? Who's the boss? And is there any place, just, just, would you guys close your eyes and think about this. Is there any place in your life where Jesus doesn't reign? Is there any place where he is not welcome? Where you have, con- where you have continued to hang on to the reins? Where you refuse to give in? And I know we like to think, well, I've given Jesus, he's my king, and I've given him kingship in every area of my life except for this one thing. But here's what I want you guys to remember. That either Jesus is king of all in your life, or he's not king at all. You guys hear that? Either Jesus is king of all, of everything in your life, or he's not king at all of your life. Because if he's king, that means he has absolute authority. And if there's one area of your life that you say, well, you have authority over everything else, but this thing, who really holds the authority? It's you. So, guys, tonight is, as we're closing, I just want to invite everybody to stand up. We're going to pray. And if there's some area of your life that you're like, I, I need to surrender this to Jesus too, then I want you to tell me or one of our small group leaders, hey, small group leader people, raise your hands. Here's our small group leaders. And just, just would you just pray with somebody tonight and, and say, um, just tell them, hey, I want to I want to pray. I don't want to give this area to Jesus. So let's pray. And then I'm going to hand the microphone over to Sam because she's got something more for us to do that's just going to take a couple of minutes. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want you to be king over the world, but especially tonight, we're just crying out that you be king over our lives. And not just over the big picture of our lives, but every area of our lives. Every part of my life, I surrender to you. We surrender to you, asking that you will be in full control and that we join with the thousands, millions, really billions of people who, who acknowledge you as king. And so would you help us to do that? Because even to do that, we need your help. Help us, oh Lord Jesus. Amen.